Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. This is the fifth Sunday of Easter. And um, we are following um, some materials that Allison Casella Brookins wrote for us for this Easter season. And we're very grateful for that. And she will be joining us soon um, and will be giving the message. She's stuck in traffic right now, so hopefully the, the timing will work out well. Um, <clears throat> so in this series, we are practicing God's ways. We're not just here and doing church like we usually do. We're getting ready to be Christians and, and make the, these practices part of our lives, part of our everyday lives. This is a welcome from God that Allison wrote. Hear, my people, what God has to say to you. I am the God who knows you at your highest and at your lowest, and who will not let you stay stuck. You are welcome here. You are in the right place, in the bodies and spirits of each one here, I, your God, have given you enough for today. This welcome is a gift freely given that already lives in you that will hold you tight and never let you fall. So, um, as I said, we're, we're following these um, materials that Allison wrote. And let me read the, um, the introduction. That's just a short bit um, about the practice part. We are figuring out how to live as people of the resurrection. During this Easter season, we are practicing God's ways, incorporating them into our lives and getting them into our bodies. We are not shiny, finished, per perfect people. We are practicing people. And the theme statement is, we are beautifully messy and messily beautiful, practicing people of God. And hopefully this service won't be too beautifully <laughs> messy. I'm going to try to lead the, the songs. And Allison did not um, share that she wrote, I don't know if you heard this last Sunday, but she wrote the majority of these songs so um i think it's really special that she shared them with us um all right so make it straight <clears throat> we are going to do the welcome as we've been doing by gathering in a circle and this way, it's not just me welcoming you, it is you all welcoming each other. Um, it's like our passing of peace time. So if you can um, join me in a circle, and we are just going to share, um, using the microphone, who all is here, so the people on Zoom can also hear who are, who are here, and we will hear who, who is on Zoom, we'll hear um, who they are too. Okay, so I will pass around the mic if once it gets going and you can just say your name. If you feel like you need some sanitizer, there is some on that chair there at the end of the um, that row. Um, so I am Connie. I never did say that. Rebecca. Levi. Good afternoon, Matthew. Micah. Aaliyah. Aaron. James. Ava. Anya. Rachel. Aiden. Reese. Jenny. Noel. Lisa. Steve. And on Zoom, we have 
Steve and Lori, Dominic and Unida, and Sarah McDonald. And Aaron is back there at Tech. Okay, we are going to sing Welcome to the Arms of God, and I hope you can just join right in with me. Okay. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit who is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit. She is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Let's do it one more time. You can follow Steve and uh, um, this half can, can do the... Uh, the other part of the round. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Welcome to the spirit. She is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the Spirit. She is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Thank you. And I believe you can be seated. Um, oh, I forgot the passing of the piece. Sorry. I'm... So we are going to um, gather the peace with our arms, and as, as Allison taught us, and welcome, Allison. And you can take a hand and reach out and grab your peace, and take the other arm and reach out and feel the warmth and the love and joy in your peace, and toss it to someone. Say their name and say, peace be with you. <laughs> Rachel, peace be with you. <laughs> okay, there you go. Anya, peace be with you. <laughs> Aaliyah, peace be with you. <laughs> All right, I hope everybody got some peace. All right, you may be seated. All right, we're going to continue with practicing gratitude, and um, this is all part of what we do normally in worship. Um, is when we sing praise songs and we pray our prayers of thanks. Um, so you can um, feel free to just shout out um, things that you are thankful for um, from this week and from this day. And um, I can repeat it in the microphone. So feel free to say what you are thankful for. Aaron's friend Kim coming to help um, the family uh, during Aaron's uh, surgery and, and Ava's graduation. Cooler weather. I'm continuing to be thankful for the, the blooming flowers, the flowering trees, um, the, the tulips, um, and even the warm weather <laughs> last week. Hope for summer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, let's pray together. We are a people who must sing, who must sing you, God, for the sake of our very lives. You are a God who must be sung by us for the sake of your majesty and honor. And so we thank you for lyrics that push us past our reasons, for melodies that break open our givens, for cadences that locate us home beyond all our safe places, for tones and tunes that open our lives beyond control and our futures beyond despair. We thank you for the long parade of mothers and fathers who have sung you deep and true. We thank you for the good company of artists, poets, musicians, cantors, and instruments that sing for us and with us toward you. We are witnesses to your mercy and splendor. We will not keep silent ever again. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Let's sing um, thank you for this day. And again, I will just do my best to get us started. Starting note is A. I'm not thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. Okay, I think I have it. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. Let's take time to, um, for the time of confession, um, we are practicing courage and naming our needs before God and accepting God's grace. We are a practicing people. Part of practice is being honest naming and owning the places where we are not doing our best and are downright screwing up. Often this is called confession. We don't do this to wallow in our own sins and failures, to feel bad and sorry. We do this because by naming our sins and failures, um, we come to see more clearly what is going on and ask for help where we need it. Until our eyes are opened, we cannot begin to do better. And to center us, we will sing, Be Right Here. Be here, right here. Be Join me in confession. 
God, and you can read this with me. God, you know us. You don't need us to tell you that we are not perfect. You already know the ways we have moved further away from the life you gave us to live. In this moment, let us be present to these parts of our lives with honesty. Let us lay down our shame and name before you the places where we, we need your help on this difficult journey of practicing your ways. In silence, we bring before you what is weighing on our hearts. Dear practicing people, hear these words of grace. I am the God who knows you and who will not let you stay stuck in the pit. I say you are forgiven. This grace is a gift freely given that already lives in you that will hold you tight and never let you fall. Rebecca is going to um, play um, the hallelujah for us to help us with that one. Before we have the scripture reading, um, Allison's written up a little intro that I will read. I think I'm supposed to do that, right? Okay. Just to orient us to the text. The text from the Hebrew Bible comes shortly after last week's story of water from the rock. We're skipping over a battle between Israel and the people of Amalek. There's no reason given for the battle. These people are even relatives, descendants of Esau, Jacob's twin brother. But they fight a bitter battle. Amalek becomes synonymous with everything that goes against God's ways. This conflict is even used as a metaphor for apocalyptic destruction in other parts of the Bible. We're skipping the story of this conflict, but it feels important to mention. After the battle, Moses' father-in-law Jethro shows up, bringing back Moses' wife and kids, who had been staying safe back, safe back on the farm. Jethro is impressed with everything God has accomplished through Moses, but also puts in his two cents. In the New Testament, we switch Gospels again to Matthew. In this version, on Easter morning, the women visit the tomb and see Jesus. He tells them to gather the other disciples and go to Galilee. So this appearance of Jesus to the disciples 
is the first time most of them have seen the risen Jesus. Exodus 18, 13 through 27, Jethro's advice. The next day, Moses sat as the judge for the people while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and, the God, and God be with you. You should represent the people before God and should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and instructions and make them known to the, them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God and are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will hear, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their homes in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from all Israel and appointed them as heads over the people, as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Hard cases they brought to Moses, but any minor case they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and went off to his own country. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came to them and said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Make disciples, going to the people of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have told you. I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Um, yeah, are there any children who would like to come up for children's time? I just have a, a, a question for you. Um, and just your opinion, like what do you think, what do you prefer at school? Would, do you prefer going outside? Let's say this was for half a day that you were gonna do this. You were gonna either just go outside and play whatever you wanted with the other kids in your grade, or you would go outside with your gym teacher and your gym teacher would tell you your, um, or your FIAD teacher would tell you, you know, get you organized to play kickball or, or soccer or whatever. Would you prefer one or the other? Which one do you answer? I'd probably prefer just hanging out with my friends. And then, yeah. I'd probably prefer just like hanging out with my friends and just. So to do the free play, um, I think different people end up kind of having a preference for one or the other, or you know, one day might be one way and another day you might prefer something else. But um, if it was always everybody can do whatever they want, we'd run into trouble, right, do you think? 
Yeah, if there weren't really any rules, there wasn't any structure in our day, any, like first we do this, then we do that, and then we do that, or this is how we work together, we wouldn't get things done. Um, and yeah, a lot of things would maybe not go so well after a while, right? Yeah, so we need some of that structure, but it's interesting how that happens sometimes. Some of our graduates today are going on from high school. I think they're all going on to college. So they're moving to adult, being adults. And so um, some of the, them might become leaders in some way or another. And um, they can help in organizing things or getting things going that need to get going and changing. That's some of what Allison is going to talk to us about today, I think. Um, <laughs> so, because in the story that the three of them read, um, Moses' father-in-law had come and said, Moses, what are you, what are you doing? You're going to wear yourself out. It's too much work. You doing all the judging and all is kind of like you're telling all the people how they should live. And sometimes we need to work together on stuff like that. That's what the, um, his father-in-law was saying. And Moses did that. So it was good advice. So something to keep thinking about is, is, is structure and rules and, and how do we live together well. All right, thank you, Mike. Hi. So Moses is leading tens of thousands of people. People who had until very recently been living under an oppressive system that controlled most parts of their life, who weren't allowed to make any decisions about their own lives, and also they had developed their own group-specific ways of getting things done and solving their problems as much as they were able. So these people, who were slaves in Egypt, have been displaced from that, from everything they knew. Their systems and their networks disrupted. They now have control over all parts of their lives, not just the few parts that their overseers used to let them have control of. And they've had spectacular proof that God's presence and provision will be with them. But their daily reality is one of living on the edge of survival, in the wilderness with no idea where they're going. Problems are bound to happen. A people used to scraping and scrapping for existence doesn't learn peaceful anarchy in just a few months. Since Moses is the one with the direct line to the big guy in the pillar of flame, the people go to him to work things out, and he seems to assume that this is his God-given responsibility. So he's sitting all day, listening to people make their cases and deciding what is just. And I imagine these long lines all day of people waiting to talk to old Mo. That's a heavy burden to bear. And then Jethro shows up. This is Moses' father-in-law bringing his, uh, Moses' wife and kids back. The morning after Jethro arrives, so he's just been there one night, Jethro sees Moses spending his whole day as judge, and he gives some friendly advice. Now, we can read this in many different ways. Jethro is a sage elder. He is a priest of Midian, we're told. So he's an experienced leader who knows that trying to do everything yourself is a one-way ticket to burnout. What you are doing is not good, he tells Moses. You have to delegate. Or we could read this. Jethro as a mansplainer, showing up on the scene and immediately micromanaging Moses' leadership style. Well, actually, Moses, uh, you should do it like this. Listen to me. He doesn't know how Moses is as a leader. 
he doesn't know these people, and he's not even sticking around. He's going back to his own land, so he's not fully invested in this functioning of this new community. More likely, it's something somewhere in between. Jethro has experience in leadership, but he just gives one, uh, uh, one way for Moses to fix this. Moses, do this, and then it will be better. No problems. Choose leaders. Organize them in these military-style units of thousands, hundreds, and tens. They can solve the easy problems and bring the hard ones to you. That's the way to do it. Whether it's because Moses respects Jethro as a skilled leader, or whether he is humoring him, whether he rolls his eyes or embraces Jethro's instruction with relief, Moses does exactly what Jethro uh, suggests. And the thing is, it doesn't seem to work all that well. Shortly after this is when Moses goes up the mountain to talk to God, as the text we'll have in a couple of weeks, and things among the people just fall apart almost immediately. They melt all of their jewelry to make a golden calf. And if the movie The Ten Commandments is to be believed, they have this ginormous, violent orgy and probably, like, I don't know, glut themselves on too many donuts or something like that. I joke, but what happens is the people turn away from God's ways of generous abundance. Out of fear and uncertainty, they turn away from God's way, where no one has to earn their self-worth their, or their right to exist. Out of exhausted uncertainty, the people turn away from God's way of including and caring for everyone, and they turn back to the exploitative, extractive economy of Egypt, literally worshiping Egyptian gold. The leadership system that Jethro suggested didn't keep this from happening. Maybe the people brought their griefs to those leaders first, we don't know, and, but they weren't satisfied. Maybe the leaders saw this as above their pay grade. We were told to do the easy stuff, Moses does the hard stuff. This is the hard stuff, we are not touching this. Maybe they tried to address the people's problems, but they weren't trusted or weren't listened to. Maybe the people just didn't like their decisions, and so they went looking for something more to their liking, this classic go ask your mom uh, or go ask whichever parent will give you the answer that you want tactic. Whatever the reason, the people go to Aaron, Moses' second-in-command, they essentially go over the heads of those leaders that Moses appointed, and the leadership structures fall apart. Leadership structures feel pretty much like they're falling apart here in our world today. I'm not going to be a downer and name all of the ways that things feel broken right now. We all know what the big ones are, and we all have many examples from our own individual lives. And I have to admit, I've gotten to a point myself where my trust in any institution is pretty darn low. The government, the certain super special ultra court, the Democratic Party, uh, social media CEOs, churches. I'm feeling frustrated by just about every leadership group and structure that exists, big or small. And I'm feeling pretty despairing about the people in our world who hold the most power. And I'm not feeling particularly constructive. I don't have too many ideas about alternatives, except can you please try not to suck so much? <sighs> We're coming up on the special delegate session of MCUSA. And I admit I'm not paying the most attention to what's going on. But I know that it's a time when the delegate body will decide whether we should quietly retire the exclusive membership guidelines or whether we should use this as an opportunity to acknowledge and wrestle with the damage and violence that those guidelines have done. I don't have a crystal ball to look in to know what will happen, but I know that the church doesn't have the greatest track record on this kind of things. For the last four months, I've been working as a chaplain at a hospital which is a massive institution that as much as their mission is to take care of people and make them better, 
It also obsessively thinks about the bottom line. So I don't trust it, but I know I can't trust it. It isn't going to surprise me in the ways it ultimately conserves power and isn't invested in justice for the most marginal. So this is really pessimistic and grim, I know, but I also know that many, many people are right here with me, and I want to name these things. We are in a time of desperately looking for alternatives as our planet and our systems hurtle towards self-destruction. What's worked in the past isn't working now, and we don't know where to turn. Maybe if someone soldered together a nice statue and told us it would solve all our problems, we too would dance around it, half naked, eating pastries and drinking wine, in hopes that it just might help. The people of Israel keep going. The crumbling of this first leadership structure won't be the last failure, but also won't be their last try. There are several more times in this story of Moses and the people in the wilderness when they try out a new plan. In the book of Numbers, Moses turns to God and says, This is it! I cannot bear the load of these people anymore. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child? And God says, okay, go out and find 70 people, ones that you know are elders and officers over the people. I will take some of the spirit that is in you and I will put it in them. So there's an early Jewish commenter, Rashi, uh, who comments on this text and says that these 70 people who were uh, trusted as elders and officers over the people, they were officers and elders over the people while they were slaves in Egypt. So these overseers were beaten on behalf of the people, suffering in their stead. And so now that they are all in the wilderness, they are trusted by those people that they once protected. So this time, Moses is instructed by God not to choose the people that he thinks will be good leaders, but instead he gathers the people who are already leaders, who are already trusted, who were instrumental in the people surviving and giving them security and dignity in the hardest time of their life. And I can't say that was the answer to everything. The end, they never changed their leadership structure ever again. But it is an example of trying again to do a little better. So much of the Bible is ordinary people like us trying to get it right. In the Gospel reading from Matthew, the 11 remaining disciples are given an impossible task. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is ridiculous. These 11 dudes from an oppressed uh, people group who are mostly fishermen are supposed to go and make it happen in all of the world? And to top it all off, Jesus doesn't even leave them with instructions on how to structure this thing. No, gather 70 people. No, structure your church council like this and have these deacons and elders. Like, none of that. Just go. And so they try. And they try. And they try again. We are still trying. As humans, we have a profound lack of awesomeness. This has always been the case, and it will continue to be the case. We will continue to disappoint and hurt each other. We shouldn't be surprised when it happens, but we also can't, can't let that human reality stop us. We can't let our failure to be awesome stop us from trying our darndest to be a little less awful tomorrow. And the good thing is we're not starting completely from scratch. People have been imagining and writing and talking for generations about different ways for humans to live. We've been experimenting in real time, reflecting and tweaking and trying new things. 
There are intentional communities and nonprofits actively living different ways of doing and being. There are books, nonfiction and fiction, and especially science fiction, my favorite, books that are dreaming up new ways for humans to live and be together. The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin, The Iron Council by China Mayville, uh, what is it, Go uh, Country of Ghosts by Margaret Kiljoy. These are just a few that I've read recently and over the years. They are, there are everyday people like you and me with endless creativity. There's an organization that I work with, uh, uh, Dismantling the Doctrine of Discovery Coalition. And they're working right now to raise money to hire Sarah Augustine, who is an indigenous Anabaptist organizer. And she has a hundred year vision for our country and our world that they are investing in actively. And when you hear her talk about it, it feels like it could happen. And it's the most remarkable thing. So we keep trying and we will keep trying. God is frequently disappointed by humanity. But I don't think that God is terribly surprised. God knows us. And God sticks with us in full awareness of our lameness. For some reason, God continues to work in and through and alongside of humans. God cheers our successes, weeps with us in our failures, and gnashes the divine teeth at our inevitable lack of awesomeness. But God knows the story doesn't stop there. There is more yet to come, always. At the end of the story from Matthew, after Jesus has given the disciples the ridiculous, impossible task of sharing the good news with the entire world, there's this verse. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The book of Matthew that this comes from begins with naming the unborn Jesus Emmanuel, a word that in Hebrew literally means God with us. So God is with us in the flesh in Jesus. So in this last line, Jesus is just saying his own name, Emmanuel, I am with you always. He promises that throughout all of it, even until the end of the world, he will be with us. There is nothing we can do, no action or thought that can separate us from God's love. In all the messy, uncomfortable, hard work of practicing God's ways, God is with us. Remember, Emmanuel, always. So being Christians doesn't mean that we won't inevitably get stuck in our suckiness. It means practicing trust in God's promise that we don't have to stay there. That there's more to the story always. May it be so. Thank you, Allison. Let's turn to Voices Together, number 797, and let's sing, We Are People of God's Peace.
spreading joy and happiness through God's great salvation. Hope we bring in spirit meek in our daily living. Peace with everyone we seek, good for evil giving. We are servants of God's peace. All right, let's, um, let's pray together and bring these um, concerns to God in prayer and those that were not named. Um, you can join me when I, I will say, God of mercy, and you respond with, hear our prayer. Um, and then we will close with the Lord's prayer. Um, and I will be reading um, 989, the first little bit more modern version, but you can pray with in whatever way you are comfortable if you've memorized that. <clears throat> so let's pray. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Gracious God, we bring our prayers to you as acts of love for you and for our neighbors. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and those dear to us. Let's close with... Well, first, I'd like to pray for the world's needs, for our church, for the decisions that will be made, and for those who are bringing the decisions to the meeting coming up. We pray for all those people who are in areas of conflict in the world. I think of Ukraine and Colombia and many others. God of mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for um, all the other concerns that we carry in our hearts. God of mercy, hear our prayer. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Um, there will be a time of recognizing the, the seniors, so I'll let Stevers come up, or Lisa. In the life of our church family, there are many important moments that we are blessed to get to share together. One of the most exciting, and for many of us adults, a bit bittersweet is our recognizing is in recognizing our seniors who are graduating this year. Ava, Aiden, and Levi, would you please come up front? <clears throat> We'd like to give each one of you an opportunity to share. 
So, ladies first. Um, all right. So at the end of January, I finished off high school early. So then in the few months past, I've just been working. And either in the fall or upcoming spring, I do plan on going to UW-Milwaukee for a major in computer science and a minor in music. Um, uh, yeah, gonna graduate in the next few weeks. Uh, this summer I'll just be hanging around Milwaukee, uh, working at Outpost, hanging with friends, and then in the fall I'll be um, going to St. Louis University, um, majoring in biology on a pre-health sciences track. I don't know for sure what yet. Um, probably gonna do rugby there, so yeah. Uh, I'm graduating in three weeks, and next fall I'm going to uh, Azusa Pacific University, which is like 45 minutes from downtown LA. I'm going to be studying cinematic arts production down there. So, yeah, and uh, I already found a pretty cool roommate, so that's exciting. So thank you for sharing your plans. And thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us and have been a blessing to your church. Thank you for all the ways that you have been blessed and been a blessing to our church family as you've grown and learned. We hope that wherever you go and whatever direction life takes you, you will always have a home here. And as a reminder of our love to you and as a way of being with you, wherever you go, we have a t-shirt quilt for each of you to take with you. We hope these comforters will provide you warmth, provide you memories, provide you connections to moments and people and places that are important to you, that inspire you and encourage you in all that you do and all in who you are. If you join me in prayer. God, who is Alpha and Omega, we, thankful, we thank you for your faithfulness in all of life's journey and for the companions you provide for us on our way. We thank you for the years that we've had with Ava, Aiden, and Levi. We thank you for their presence. We thank you for their many gifts. We thank you for the ways that they have shaped us. And we humbly hope that the ways we have informed and encouraged each of them will be a gift as they enter a new stage of their lives. Guide this time of transition. And in those moments of great uncertainty and concern, may Aiden feel your peace and love. May Ava feel your peace and love. May Levi feel your peace and love. As we celebrate this important milestone, as these three reflect on what they have achieved and all that might lie ahead, we rejoice and give thanks to you in knowing that wherever we go, Whatever we do, you go with us. And may we continue to grow in faithfulness through Jesus, who across time and place makes us one. Amen. Thanks. We also want to recognize two other graduates who are not with us today, but who have walked with us for many years and who are important and loved by this church family. Perry Mastetler who we knew as Nora during her time here, who is also graduating from high school in Indiana this spring, and Simon Hartman Kaiser, who graduated from Roosevelt University in Chicago this weekend. We are so thankful for all that they are to us and the exciting opportunities ahead for both of, both of them. We have two cards up front, they're over there, for anyone who wants to sign after the service and give their wishes to Perry and Simon. As we finish our time in worship, please join us in the reading of Voices Together, and Steve will lead us. So let's turn to number 963 in Voices Together. Give thanks to God, who is good. Come, let us praise God joyfully.
for the church universal and for this congregation of your people. For this place in which we gather for praise and prayer, witness and service in the name of Jesus Christ. For disciples, young and old, including and especially Aidan, Ava, Levi, Perry, and Simon, as well as all of us who have been nurtured here in faith. For the faithful who have been led and loved us and by the offering of their gifts equipped us for all the work of ministry. For the ministries of worship and mission, nurture and fellowship, and for all whose lives have been touched by them. For all the saints who have stood among us, whose memory still enlivens our faith and emboldens our witness. Receive our gratitude, holy God, for the years through which you have led us and open us to the future you promise. Give thanks to God who is good. God's love is everlasting. Um, before we, um, we close with the, um, the blessing and sending, um, let's have a time of announcements if you have something for, um, for the life of the church together. Um, you can come up here and make that announcement. I have a couple things for a mission and service team. Um, let's see if I can remember them. Um, next week, we'll do the beans and bowls, the voting. I'm sorry, it's really late this year um, where we have the chance to influence um, or decide where the local money uh, will go to um, from our offerings. Um, and then we'll also uh, do something online for those who can't do the in-person voting. And, um, and if you haven't had a chance to look at the email I sent about Cathedral Center, um, check the dates out that I put in there and let me know if you're available on either of, or both of those dates. That would help me in um, figuring out when we can serve the meal there at Cathedral Center. So are there other announcements? Maybe not today. Um, Allison is going to lead us in the closing song. Um, thank you, Allison. I'm going to get up and stand in a circle again while I try to find my pitch pipe. <laughs> Here it is. Come on, the song has the words, get up and go. So let's, <laughs> let's get up. All right, I think there's a lot of newer people here, so I'll teach the chorus again. You can curve around here. So listen. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. Okay, awesome, it sounds like you know it. So the, uh, the verses, I'm gonna sing a line and then you all respond with get up, go out and live. And in between all the verses, we sing that chorus. So let's get started. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. Your God came that you might have life. Get up, go out and live. So full of light that you just can't hide. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. It won't be easy, you're gonna be scared. Get up, go out and live. But look around, there is hope out there. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. 
get up, go out and live. Take a step and raise your voice, get up, go out and live. Don't have to be perfect to sing and rejoice, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place, get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place, get up, go out and live. Get up, go out and live. And the, the final blessing. My dear less than awesome people, get up, get up, go out, live, knowing that tomorrow's failure won't be your last and that there is grace enough to try again. Amen. Are you leading Christian? Yeah.